Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. G'day. Thank you so much for being here. This is the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is a weekly conversation with someone that I find very interesting, entertaining, and truly inspiring. And I hope that you do as well. Today's guest is absolutely A+. Plus. This man is one of the... He's the kind of guy that you'd let your mum spend a day with and not ever worry. His name is Brendan Jones or Jonesy. He is... Uh, one of the highest rated breakfast radio jocks in the country. He works in Sydney at a station called WSFM uh, with a particularly magnificent brand of breakfast radio. He also has a television show on one network in Australia called Temporary Australians, which is a self-deprecating term that motorcyclists refer to themselves as. I'll let you figure it out. He talks a bit about that. He talks about what it's like to keep an on-air relationship fresh, which is probably the most intimate working relationship anyone could possibly have, is to be in a breakfast radio studio with someone so close that you can smell their breath every day. Um, he gives us a great secret to how that works. And then he talks about motorcycles in a really interesting way and how he battles the red mist, which I think I've lost many battles with, but he seems to be winning. So we'll get to it. For more info about the podcasts at Osher Ginsberg or osherginsberg.com. Let's do this. Let's meet Jonesy. My guest today is Australian breakfast radio legend Brendan Jones. We'll talk about his life working in the sewers of Sydney, the perils of skimpies in outback radio, what it's like to challenge a member of the young talent team to a dance fight, what a human skull has to do with keeping his on-air relationship fresh, and the art of finding peace in an open-face helmet at 240 kilometres per hour with a Suzuki Hayabusa between your legs. to Ray Hadley because he says country, country music. (laughs) I'm sure he does it on purpose. Country. My guest today is Mr. Brendan Jones, one of the foremost breakfast radio announcers in this country. If you're not from Sydney, uh, you you may have heard of him. You're about to hear of him because he's on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. And I've known Brendan Jones since the late 90s. And FM radio in Australia is, it's an interesting industry full of people that are at the same time, either thrilled to be there or just so lost and dismayed <laughs> that they turn up to work a minute before they push the mic button and they're gone before the newsreaders got to the sport. And <laughs> yet this man sitting in front of me today uh, remains a shining beacon, if not the loveliest man in all of FM Radio, in my experience, in Australia. And as well, the man that has, in my, ex- in my opinion said the greatest ever back announce in the history of Australian radio. Really? 
Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm talking all over your intro. I've never had an intro like this before. Well, here it is, Brendan Jones. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember what this? Do you have an idea what I might be talking about? The nah. greatest ever back announced in the history of Australian FM radio. It wasn't the Elton John one. No. Don't let the sun go down on me. Forget that. Get the daughter. I got in trouble for that. No. Which, which one? Which one? I don't know what was better: the birth of my first daughter on the weekend, or that Led Zeppelin triple play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, nah, it was good. Well, we played hot dog, you know, uh, so you don't really get to play hot dog often. I, I think it's still, and now that my daughter's 16, I would say that the, the Led Zeppelin triple uh, play would be 10 times better and easier, <laughs> a lot easier. The greatest, it was just the, I remember hearing that. It was a triple in Brisbane, I think mm. you were, when you said that. And I remember hearing that on radio. Just going, you are the greatest ever. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Um, but no, seriously, like, Jonesy is one of these guys that, is just boundlessly joyful to be at work every day. And I do want to get into radio. We're going to talk to you about radio today a lot. Going to talk to you about winning the best on-air duo uh, with your partner Amanda on Mm. air, which is essentially like the Logies of Australian radio or the Emmys of Australian radio. Yeah, it's it's like the Emmys without the talent. It's a really big deal. (laughs) It's a really big deal to win that. Um, I also want to talk to you about motorcycles. Yes. Today. But first and foremost, I want to talk to you about... The day when I met you in B105, B- I remember you were doing the late night shift and I was, I would come on after you. Yes. I was doing midnight to dawn shift, starting at one in the morning. And, and I you had giant plaits, long hair. Yeah. You had long hair. It and made it, Anthony Kiedis's hair look short. Yeah. It's it, it it very Kiedis X. Uh, like uh, that sort of style of hair and a little goatee beard. It was the nineties. I was in a metal band. And you're a rock and bass player. Yeah. Yeah. And you're very. And you're a very good bass player. You still play? No, I don't. A bass player without a band's a lonely man. Oh, but it's great. Bass is great. I know. We'll get. But Phil Linnett is spinning in his grave. <laughs> so no. Sorry, this isn't about you. It's no, about no. Me. I, but I remember being down and out about. Oh, it's, it's, it's twelve fifty. And my beautiful girlfriend's, you know, asleep. That's right. Yeah. In Simone, bed, yes. and I was all grumpy about having to come to work. And he said, I used to work in the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. This is way better. Yeah. It's true. Can you, so can you tell us about that? I remember you just filling my head with fascinating stories about your time. You used to work yeah. underground. You used to work in the sewers. Well, where we're broadcasting this podcast from, not far from It's here. in Bondi Beach. Bondi Beach. So I was, and this was back in the days when Bondi was dreadful. Uh, and no one lived here because the problem was the, the sewer outfall, the ocean outfall hadn't, yeah. been, hadn't been constructed. So it was, you had to go out two, two k's out to sea. And that's what we worked on, it was, was digging... Not me personally digging the hole, the, the outfall, but to make the, uh, the effluent travel further out to sea. Our poo and pee. Our poo and pee. And all of Bondi, uh, pretty much just up on the um, headland there, it's all underground. There's this giant sewage storage area, like five Olympic-sized swimming pools. Bigger than Olympic size under the golf course, yeah, yeah the North golf Bond. course back, but also where the and you go under, you go into this building, it's this indiscreet building, and it's like going into Doctor Who's TARDIS. You go in it and then you go 150 meters underground, and then it's like a James Bond lair, except with no cool stuff, just poo and we. <laughs> That's it. But it, it, amazing, you know, guys in hard hats driving those little electric cars with flashing orange lights. The James light. Bond cars. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're like a Doctor Nose Island mountain yeah. lair. Wow. But it's really cool, you know. And it's, uh, but but I, I, I imagined a time when I wouldn't have to work for a living, where I could do radio, and, and I, I always love radio. So I, I can't imagine what it's like not to not. Uh, do it now because I've been doing but it. But were so you long. ever up to your knees in, in, in poo? Oh, regularly, yeah. 
What's yeah. that like? Uh, it's, well, it's not as bad because when you flush the toilet, a lot of water goes down there. So it's not just uh, straight on poo. And it doesn't smell like poo. It smells like, uh, it smells like just methane. And you know what methane gas yeah. smells like. So that's what it smells like. Um, you would uh, get into, like, there was a, near the airport, there was a sludge pit where what would happen, all the effluent would break down and it'd turn into sludge. And, you would st- and it would be like quicksand. And I remember one time standing there and we had to wear these almost like diver's suits. Uh, like full-on old-style diver suits to get down With to... The big sp- helmet and everything. Big helmet. And, and the breathing apparatus? Yeah, because you couldn't breathe because it would kill you because the methane was too high. Uh-huh. And you, you would get lowered down into it and, you, and, and as the, the thing would... The pit would envelop you more, you, you, you'd sink deeper and deeper. And I remember sitting there and saying, well, how deep is this, uh, this, this particular trench? The guy goes, oh, it's about six, six foot, six foot, six foot five. I went, right. And he goes, how tall are you? And I said, oh, I'm six foot. And he said, right, well, we'll probably, if you sink, we'll see the top of your helmet. So you'll go right under in it. For what purpose? What well, are you to doing? scrape. So what you had to do was scrape off the old concrete. So you'd go in and you had to check the old concrete that was underneath the airflow. But you know what? I, I used to I'd say, what is the point of this? I, I think they were just bastards. I think they just made us go in there. Because you're the new guy. Yeah. And, but the thing was, I remember one time going in there and they went to pull me out and there was a, a, a guy got on the little, there was a winch and he winched really fast. And, and the, this guy yelled out, stop winching fast because if you winch too fast, and this is what happened to the diggers in, in World War One, they Get stuck in the mud, and their mates are going riff them out, and they break their back because they're oh. the suction. Oh god! So it's the same same sort of principle. That is, Gee, I miss those days. I can't imagine what's like. What's the what's the sewerage guy's new guy prank that you play? Uh, uh, I would be. You, you'd never accept. Uh, you, you'd never. You would never. If they said smell this, you would never take them up on that. <laughs> so if they gave you a hand or a finger or something like that and said, hey, smell this, you would never do that. Okay. You, you'd learn that pretty quick. And just before we get off this, I remember one time you were telling me that you once really, you surprised a fisherman by coming out of a yeah, manhole. Uh, well, just on the, um, on the point there, at uh, North Head. Uh, ben Buckler. Here yeah, Ben Buckler. Bundle, there's yeah. a big submarine hatch. You'll see it. And fishermen actually sit there and, and fish. And me and uh, Smithy, my mate Smithy, we just found these, because you, you spend a lot of time just goofing off. And so we're walking around the, the James the former mentioned James Bond Lair, and there was this sandstone staircase, and it went for ages. I'm like, where's this guy? So sandstone, well, like it was built in the carved, 1800s. I don't know if it was built in the 1800s. It would have been carved, uh, like, recently, because it looked pretty good. It didn't look like convict handiwork. But... Um, uh, we, we, we climbed up there and we got to the top and there was like a hatch. And, you know, this is like, oh, there's no way in my 40s I'd do this now. What are you, like 19? Yeah, I was like 19. And you think, well, let's open it. You know, where does it go to? For all we know, it could open a giant poo tank on us. <laughs> so we opened it up. Boom. And this, you know, we upset a, a fisherman's bait and all this stuff, which he had sitting on the, the hatch. And he thought, my God, where have you guys come from? And uh, my mate Smithy said, oh, we are from China. Welcome. <laughs> you know, is this what this path does? So it was, yeah, it was um, quite amazing. Wow. Because mm. I like to tell people when, because I used to be, I, I never like was up to my neck or over my head as you were in poo sludge. Mm. But I used to be a roadie. I used to lift heavy things for a living. And so I think it's really important just to have that job that you're like, oh, I'm never having, I'm never going to do that again. So I'm going to work really hard to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. So at what point were you like, I'm out of here. I've got to get to radio. Well, I got a job uh, and I, I sent my first tape uh, to Karath. Well, I, I, the, the word was if you sent a tape to Karath or Western Australia, you would definitely get a job because they would give anyone a job. You know, they'd give you know uh, someone with Tourette's and a stutter a job. 
Uh, so I, it just got really bad. I, I, I just and I wasn't going anywhere, and I wasn't my career. Oh, look at this! His feedback. Yeah, yeah. Well, but no, and I was in a I was in a rut. I was just um, my parents were sort of. Uh, you know, I was living at home and they were, they were on my case and, you know, my wife, well, you know, my then girlfriend, now wife, well, you know, she wanted to get out of Sydney and, and, and she wasn't happy. So it was like that sort of sent the tape to Karatha and, and, got, and I got a job and that was it. And I, and I had to, and I didn't even tell my old boss that I'd got a job in Karatha. It was like, uh, they, they rang me and they said, when can you start? And I said, when do you want me? And they said, we need you here now, um, but it's going to take you about a week to get here. Through train, uh, through planes, and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I didn't have time to tell Paul Len, who I used to work for. I've still got the keys to his factory. So Paul Len, you know, twenty odd years later, said, "You know, he's a bit late for work because <laughs> he's a very understanding guy. He was very understanding of my radio, and he was always he wanted me to to do it." And a lot of those guys, I worked in many different jobs from panel beaters and stuff, and they'd always be supportive of the, the radio thing. They'd let me go and do community radio shifts or, you know, lend me money to buy tapes to wow. send out. So they're always, you know, they're always good. So I'm always indebted to those so guys. So you were hustling, hustling, sending tapes out oh, and making air checks? It was. And I did that for a long time. I did that up until, I think, uh, until I started getting poached. So you're 21? Uh, yeah, I was an old star, 22 when I started in radio, yes. So you're, you're 22 years old and you're moving to a place called uh, Karatha, 6KA yes. in Karatha. Now, let's just describe to people where Karatha is. If you look at a map of Australia, mm. uh, all most of the population live on the bottom right-hand side of it, yep. all right, from about halfway up and then down curving around to the bottom right-hand side. The exact opposite of that, I'm probably around 4,000 kilometres away on a remote northwestern coastline mm. is this town of Karatha. Yep. And it, as you said, it's literally hundreds of miles from anywhere. Oh, it is. My backyard, I remember my neighbour, what would happen if we jumped over the back fence and just kept walking? And he said, you could walk for seven months and you wouldn't see anyone. That was just in our backyard. So it was amazing. It was so isolated. And it put me off milk, because back in those days, milk would be frozen to get there. So it always just had a funny taste. It just the milk w- was not the same as the milk. That so this is 1990. This 1990. is time before the internet. Mm. What was life like out there? This is like real outpost frontier well, shit. It was like, but it was, it, they weren't country. They weren't country people. They were more city folk. So it was like an outlying suburb, uh, and it was it was quite a. It was a very friendly t- town, very uh, like very drinking focused town. Uh, but everywhere, every pub had skimpies, and skimpies were the barmaids that wore these skimpy outfits. Every pub, it, it was, and it was weird because you'd go in there, and our cleaner of the radio station was a skimpy. So sometimes you'd sit there, you'd be at the pub, and you go, "Hey, Leslie, how are you?" And she'd be in this g-string and nothing else, and then she'd be cleaning the station the next day. Wow! In a cleaning it, hey, hey, Leslie, how are you? You know, you wouldn't want to get the the, the, the modes uh, mucked up like the, uh, the various <laughs> yeah, jobs mucked up. But it was just, it was a really, it had a lot of money because a lot of people in the mines and working yeah. on the gas uh, peninsula, uh, except for people on radio. So I was like poor. Or as, and all my mates had, you know, Harley Davidsons and right. all the cool stuff. Because they get, and it's so hot, it's just, it, it, it's like Dubai. It, it, I hate Dubai because it's like Karatha. I love Karatha, but Dubai is like Karatha. It's just, but it's, it's like Dubai without the cool stuff. Like Dubai's got cool stuff, Karatha. But it's been a long time since I've been there. But hang on a second. So your girlfriend followed you out there? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, poor old Helen, she said to me, 
And and I think she liked the idea of oh here we go this will be this will be good and then she got off the plane and she said are you effing kidding me because I picked her up from the airport and the heat you, you would open the door on the plane and it hits you like a blast furnace it's it, it, the heat is just it's amazing and and in the, you get up there in the middle of summer and it, it would get to fifty two degrees Celsius God damn. and humid too no humidity no? no just this blazing desert bang heat wow. and it's a very uh, it's a very harsh place as far as weather-wise goes. You know, the ocean looks quite nice. You look at this as you are looking ocean and you go, oh, that looks nice. But you get there and there's wind and there's horrible jellyfish and, it, and you get in the water and it's, it's extra salty. It, still, it just feels like it stings the hell out right, of Like the Dead Sea you down in Israel. Mm. You get in that water and you're like, ugh. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. feel, feels really but different. But, you know, the Dead Sea, you go, oh, good, I'm, I'm the, it's the Dead Sea. I'm getting, this is biblical. There's something yeah, happening yeah. here. But Karatha, it's just like, oh, my God. So I know that in regional radio you often have to do 50 jobs. What was your role? Uh, I was uh, a nighttime announcer and copywriter and newsreader. And uh, I, I almost got the sack because I swore in a news bulletin. And then I ended up, uh, yeah, I, I don't like writing ads. I don't like voicing ads. I even can't voice ads now unless they pay me a lot of money. What kind of ads? Are you talking oh, like for the Makita Chainsaw yeah. bike? <laughs> yes. Locally owned and operated for the last 25 years. Come and see Pam and Patty. Just down, and they'd always put in too much details. There'd be too much. Just down for the roundabout up near the escalator. <laughs> Go and see them today. <laughs> and that's what you do. And it was just, I love original radio oh. ads. And I can't do them now. I, I, I can't do ads. But this is back in the day. This, this was carts. This is old carting yeah. and putting it on quarter inches. It's all analog. We started in radio back when it was analog before it was digital. And yeah. So yeah. it was like razor blades and, and sticky tape yeah. and editing everything together. And so you've got, you've, you did a bit of a tour yes. around Australia. You went yeah. from 6KA in Karatha. Oh, what was your format before we move on? Uh, it, was, uh, it was a classic hits format. That's so what was but the back of But it was uh, 6KA. Uh, no, actually, it was Who Loves Your Baby. When I started it, Who Loves your baby 6ka and then it was 6ka uh, yeah, yeah, classic hit 6ka 6nw and that was it but it was um who loves your baby 6ka that who loves is your baby? a call sign yeah so i don't know what they were thinking when they got who loves your baby look great on a sticker on the back of my harley I that's looked, what they're thinking and look the sticker I, I wish i had a sticker i got one somewhere because i keep uh, radio station stickers, but that's a good reminder to go and dig through my stuff because I'd like right. to get that one back out again. I, know, I used to remember you went on a you went on a bit of a tour around the country, as often the case. And I don't know if do these jobs even exist anymore. Like like this is what you would do. You would go. All of the New South Wales country radio stations were great, you know, and and actually Victorian country radio stations because they were so close to each other. There was a bit of a competitive field, so it was almost like being in the city. So the radio dream was to get into the city. That was the thing, and. And for, for me, all I wanted to do was work at Triple M in Sydney. That's all I wanted to do. Uh, and I was very single-minded about getting to it. So Triple M Sydney, just for people that don't know, that is like the landmark rock and roll station yeah. in Australia. Um, and again, it is at the moment. It lost its way for a little while, but it's back yeah. in, a, in a really great way. You'd equate it to, I guess, K-Rock in KROQ in Los Angeles, um, which a lot of these stations are modelled after. Mm. Like that just amazing classic rock, no holds barred, I drive a V8, yep. <clears throat> kind of let's go. Well, it's hard for rock stations as well because rock's in a state of flux. No one's doing – there's not really much good rock around at the moment. Mm. It's not like the 90s. I was I was listening to the iHeart radio thing that, you know, our mobs uh, are caught up with and I've put in this like uh, – I've called it fastball radio. So it's all just bands like fastball and, mm. you know, those cool bands from – and Everclear and hmm. uh, uh, the refreshments. And they were great 90s. On the back end of Pearl Jam, there was a lot yeah. going on. Yeah, so Pearl Jam, we got out of the grungy 
stuff. Yeah. And then we got into this really fun rock. And like the only fun rock I've heard lately is neon trees. That's like, and that's it. And it's few and yeah. far between. So it's, I've, I think well, I'm a rock guy. I think it's going to come back. But you set your sights on, uh, you set your sights on triple M. And like, yeah. I think it's always really important. People ask me quite often. I get a lot of emails from, from friends and, and I get people ask me on Twitter and I'm always happy to tell them, how do I get a job? How do I get a start? What do I do? And I always try to tell them, you need to be able to put into your GPS where you're going before you even start yeah. driving. You've got to know where you want to go. You can't just go, oh, I'll just get this job and see what happens. No. What do you want to do? What is the thing that you want to do? And so you had your sights fixed on, yeah. I'm going to be on Triple M Sydney. Yeah, it was like a, um, I just loved Uncle Doug Moray. And when Doug was on Triple M, uh, he was what radio was about. And, and I'm, a, I'm a radio nerd from way back. I, will, I love listening to all Clearly sorts of Clearly I am too because I've got you <laughs> yeah, on. Because we're talking so nerd about radio. <laughs> and there's a bunch of radio nerds listening to this right now going, <laughs> nerdingly going, I think you'll find that 2PK <laughs> was not <laughs> But it, for me, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's just that listening to radio, listening to someone do a break and, 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 and hearing a great break, you know, hearing something that's, you know, and, and that was the thing, Uncle Doug, I remember he did this thing. This is a breakfast radio announcer during mm. the 80s. He was quite controversial. Like Rick Dees, I reckon. He'd be, he'd be Australia's answer to Rick Dees. Yeah. He, was, he, he, just, he basically had a, a zoo format, people all around him, yeah. and so many characters, and it was enormously well rating. Yeah. It was, it was colossal. Like 20, it was rating 20s in Sydney. And what do you win with now? Uh, well, you win the... Uh, the like so, Kyle and Jackie are on in breakfast. They're on like a nine, and, and that's on, number one. And that's number one. We're on the nine. Like so, we're right behind. So them. get that. So this yeah. is back. You win Sydney Breakfast Radio number one now by being yeah. nine in the ratings, and Doug Mulroy is doing twenties. Mm. Like just to get an idea of how massive this show. But there was only was. two. There wasn't really many games in town. There was only uh, Triple M and Two Day, and that was it as far as the FM yeah. stations go. Now there's a, a raft. But of he them. was a, he was an absolute megastar, and, and yeah. you're right to, to idolise him. You're right to want to be yeah. to, to, to be like him. But so uh, after so you went to Musselbrook. I remember you'd come to us right from you were in I ninety eight in Wollongong for, for three years and. How did the, the B105 thing well, come I, around? I had this thing and I just, I was very comfortable. I had always said that I wanted to get into Capital City Radio by the time I was 27. And my 27th birthday was just looming. It was looming like nobody's business. And I said, I, I have to uh, do something and I, I want to get to Triple M. But, and people would think, oh, you're in Wollongong. Surely it's easy to get to Sydney from Wollongong. But no, Wollongong, you might as well be in... It's 60Ks down the street. Yes. It's not far away. It, it, but it's not Sydney. It's south of Sydney. It's separated from Sydney by the Royal National Park. Yep. Um, it's a, kind of like a satellite town. There's a yep. big university there. It's a big port. Hmm. It's big, is there steelworks down there? Yeah, there's steelworks. Yeah. Yep, big steelworks down there. So it's now. a big kind of out-of-town industrial centre. Mm. But so it is just as you said, it's just down the street. But yeah. it's you it's might as well be another country. I might as well be back in Carafa. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I sent these tapes out, and I, I got all the um, audition tapes, and I did uh, like a really good audition tape. But it wasn't just the way I sent the tape out. I, I used a bit of my uh, home skills and uh, attached it like the car, like the tapes, like a deck of playing cards. So and I spray painted the tapes black and grey and sort of got my little home oxy and melted them so they just looked old and bad. And then my tape was fluorescent orange and I, and I just put it in a box and gave it to the PD and said once in a while a tape will stand out from the others. So not only was the, the, the presentation there but the tape was, you know, and the tape was like it was one of my best, uh, like, I guess, 
audition tapes I'd ever done. It was, uh, I don't know, I, I'm, I was on fire when I put it together, like when I actually got the bits off air and, and, and mixed it down and, and it was just good. And it was just, it was just a hot sounding tape. And so you made a bunch of these boxes and sent them out yeah, to I program directors. Ten, I sent out 10, no, I sent out 17 and I got 10 job offers. Wow. Off the strength of it. Uh, and then, and then for, and then people ring up, oh, I've heard about this tape, you know, we've got to have you. We've got a guy from Fox FM in Melbourne said, we, we, we need you for, for something. What, what, what Whatever. What, wow. what, yeah, and it was, but it was, there, there was nothing. And B105, it was Brian Ford, the program director of B105, when he rang me, he was the one that I thought, well, yeah, it's, I, I want to do this. And it was and it's not about money or anything like that, but it was just, the, 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 and all the other ones are just offering Midnight to Dawn gigs, and Midnight to Dawn gigs can be like, going back to country radio a bit because you really it's a risk because you can and they're happy oh he's good on midnight to dawn we'll just leave him there and in the meantime you get passed over a million times you know you would have like experienced it happened to me yeah and so i got passed over for rugby phil yeah exactly (laughs) oh that was dreadful yeah the boy i felt for you that we'll talk about we'll talk about that later (laughs) that was a hard day that That was a hard day i remember i thought we'll talk about that later uh so so when brian offered me the late night show I thought this is a really good opportunity to do, and I didn't do it for long. You know, it wasn't. It was about six months, I think, in the end, before Triple M. Uh, you were, yeah, you weren't there for very no, long at all. And then Triple M Brisbane picked me up. So. Geez, you had a great mullet when I first met you. Oh, it was a good mullet. It was, it was really I good. Wasn't, no, it wasn't like the full-on '90s mullet. Like it was, a, it was a reduced one. It was more of a Tears for Fears one. <laughs> By the time I got to Brisbane, it was, a, it was, a, a, it was time appropriate. I'll say that. <laughs> Pretty great. It was time appropriate. It was pretty awesome. It was time appropriate. And then you got into Triple M Brisbane. Yeah. And it, honestly, when I heard you on B105 and then I heard you on Triple M Brisbane, which is the rock station in Brisbane, which had previously been FM 104, which mm. was the greatest station ever. Oh, yeah. It was ever. Huge. It owned Brisbane. Um, I remember hearing on that. I'm like, oh, this is like the leather jacket that fits, man. Yeah, this is you're in the right place. I, I love Triple M. I, I make no secret about how much I love Triple M. I, I, I really do. I always, you know, I just it's my it's I like the music. And when did the call come, Harry? Went you to oh, Triple M Sydney. The, the call for Triple M Sydney was, and I knew there was something going on because Jimmy Johnson, uh, who's you, you. Oh know, my god, I haven't heard that name in forever. Jimmy he Johnson. was the general manager yep. of both stations. This is, um, I started working at B105 just before the duopoly, just. before before mm. both stations merged, so we were still at war with Triple yeah. M. And I started working there maybe three months before the duopoly came in, and then, boom, we were the same company. And Jim Johnson was, at the time, the general manager of both, and he is that classic Aussie giant man. Yeah. He was as built like a fridge, yeah. you know, he talked a bit like that. It's all out of the side of his mouth. Exactly. He Jones talked out the side of his mouth. <laughs> he, he, he looked like he enjoyed a yeah. steak dinner. For lunch and breakfast. Uh, <laughs> and you had to smoke. You'd walk into his office and go, do you smoke? And you go, well, sort of. Well, let's all smoke. So we'd all stand there. <laughs> He's that guy. And we'd all be smoking. But he came up to me and he said, um, he said, you know, we don't pay you enough money. And I said, well, what do you mean, Joe? And he said, we don't. I'm going to give you a 10 grand pay rise. And I said, oh, well, that's, that's nice. Thank you, Jim. And then anyway, he comes back about a week later. He goes, you know what? I don't think we pay you enough money. And I said, well, we did this last week. He goes, no, I was wrong. I want to pay you another tenant. And I I knew what was going on. I said, Jim, I'm not going to stay. I want to go to Sydney. 
it's not gonna, it's not gonna, you know, wow. no amount of money is going to keep me in Brisbane because I love Brisbane, uh, but for radio, it's not the main game. And uh, he said, oh, fair enough. And, and then he said, but I tell you what, when those dickheads from Sydney ring up, don't just, don't, don't ring them, wait till they ring you, you know? And I said, no worries, Jim. I didn't realise in the meantime, Guy Dobson had already rung Jim and said to him, and Guy Dobson was the boss of Triple M in Sydney, and he'd rung Jim and said, look, we want Jonesy in Sydney. And Jim said, well, listen, you know, don't ring him, wait till he rings you. <sighs> So for eight weeks, we'd been played off against each other. And then, and I was thinking, because I knew that Dave Ryman, the guy that was doing afternoons in Sydney, was leaving. I knew that. And I thought, man, what am I doing? I've got, this is crazy. Like people saying, you know, you're going to Sydney, but no one, no one had rung to say that it was happening. And it was really distressing. And I came down to Sydney for uh, something we were doing with Triple M and Triple M Sydney, uh, Triple M Brisbane and Sydney. And I ran into an old mate of mine that I worked in, in Wollongong, Yatesy. And he goes, mate, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, aren't you coming to Sydney? And I said, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm waiting for them to call us. And he said, Dobbo was saying the other day, he's waiting, you know, he's waiting for you to call him. And that was, and it was just that little conversation. So I rang Guy straight away and I said, look, I, I, I want to come to Sydney. And he said, good, okay. And then he said the money figure and the money was nothing. It was like 90 grand. Dobbo. I know. <laughs> and so after all of that. I've got to say, like, if you've ever heard Gary Sizzle, if you Google Gary Sizzle on YouTube, which yeah. is a Tony Martin gag he did on 3 R. Gary Sizzle is Dobbo. Dobbo says it's uh, Todd Hill. Todd Hill says it's Dobbo. <laughs> but he was yeah. So he rang up and he had no money, and they never have any money. And I and and that was the second thing because my wife, who was very happy in Brisbane, and even though she was a Sydney girl, was quite happy to stay there. And she said, "Well, you can go to Sydney, but the, you know the money has to be." It has to be better. And, and the 90 was pretty much what I was getting in Brisbane. So I just thought, and I rang him back. I, I said, look, I can't go there for that. It's just, you know, it's Triple M Sydney. Are you mean to tell me daytime radio Triple M Sydney has come down to 90 grand? I said, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to pass. And it was the hardest, hardest call I've ever made. And, you know, it's funny. This is why you have agents now, so you don't have to do this stuff. But it was just nice, you know, putting the phone down and I'm just sitting there and I looked at the phone and I just thought, what have I done? That is the dumbest thing I've ever done. And uh, it was probably about 20 minutes later, a guy rang back and he said, okay, 123 years, that's it. And I went, right, done. So, <laughs> That was it. But you had to have it. You had to back yourself. You had to have the balls. You had oh, to no, do it. Was, you know, the feeling, I, I was so, yeah, it was like, have I just done, made the dumbest mistake in my career? He clearly wanted you. Yeah, I did. Look, and I loved where, you know, the, those were the halcyon days at Triple M. You know, they were really, the station was smashing. It was like rating, you yeah. know, it was, it was coming close Remember to Remember your first shift, Triple M Sydney? Yeah, yeah. It was great because Ali Drower, who I just love, was doing news. And I had this little sketch planned, you know, for the new guy. And I said to her on the intercom, because the newsroom was downstairs, I said, Ali, I, I'm, you haven't met me yet. I'm a big fan, but I'm going to pretend to burst into your studio. I've got a series of sound effects here. Can you just go with it? She, yeah, yeah, whatever. So she's reading the news, and then there's a door sound. Oh, uh, door sound effect opens. Oh, excuse me. Um, oh, sorry. I'm you know Jonesy. I'm the new guy. Yes. Um, I'm just looking for the studio. What's down the corridor? You know, on the thing. And then as her bulletin, I kept coming back into the studio. Do, do you know? Do you know where the tea making facilities are? So, and she just went along with it. 
and it was great. You know, and the first song was Back in Black and I just said, man, I love it. You know, it was just, it, it still gives me chills. You're kidding me. Your first ever speed break on Triple M Sydney, the gig you'd waited your whole life to do, we you played, you played Back that. in Black? And we did all that and I, and I was like, and I got in trouble because I moved the song, which you're not supposed to do. And, uh, but I, I just saw Back in Black and I thought, if I'm going to start this, you know, this exercise. And then I remember Ali and I, and I'm saying, okay. And she goes, well, are you right now? Are you ready to go? And I said, yes, I'm just putting the needle on the record and, you know, CD player. I've got the break somewhere. Uh, but it was just great. You know, that's such a great song. And it's such a, you know, it, it, it just it epitomizes what Triple M is. Oh man, that just, I just got so excited hearing, <laughs> you, hearing you talk about that. Um, so you're now, you know, you now work at WSFM in, in, in Sydney with uh, Amanda Keller, the great yep. Amanda Keller, who herself is a legend of Triple M. She's a huge legend. And you recently won, as we mentioned earlier, you won the uh, ACRA, the Australian Commercial Radio Association. That's very good. Award uh, for the best on-air team, which mm. is a really, really big deal inside radio circles. Outside of that ballroom, no one really cares. Well, yeah. But inside that ballroom, it's a huge deal, and it normally goes to Kyle and Jack or Hamish and Andy. Yeah. And you guys won it. I know. That was pretty cool. I, um, you know, and I, I didn't expect us to win it, uh, but it was great. It was just great. It was like, you know, thank God we don't have to do that again. That's, uh, we've done that. That milestone has been reached. But your brand, the brand of FM Breakfast Radio that you guys bring is distinctly different. I'd like to think so. I think like our show is, and I was listening to, because uh, sometimes I'll listen to a podcast just to hear how we're going. And it is, it is different. It's not, um, I, tr- I try not to be he said, she said radio. I think uh, radio is always evolving, you know, and, so, and, and I found a, a like a tape from us in 2005 and the show's dreadful. Like I hear it and I go, oh God, you know, it's just, it's just not there. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, when you watch The Simpsons and you see early voices of Homer as Dan Castanella, it's just not as polished. It's like, he's not as... He's, he's not him and the whole character's just they're drawn badly that you can see but at the time it was amazing yeah don't forget that and then now you watch it and you go bang it's snappy and it's yeah. and the voices sound good uh, that's what we're like but you've got a definite a, a definite emotion and different attitude definite attitude difference to to other shows on air and I want to know is that is that by design or they just kind of happen no I think it's uh, you know a lot of people say to us oh um you know, I hate the, the family-friendly thing because I don't think we're family-friendly. I think, you know, we don't swear. There's a lot of things, I think, with listeners um, that gets confused and this gets broken down between consultants and, and that, because everyone thinks smart. Oh, smart. Smart's terrible. Smart is... And people look at smart as swearing. So if you hear American Rosso, and they used to swear a lot in their show, so you hear them say bullshit all the time, you think, oh, yeah, that well, that's smart. That's what people think is smart. But Amanda doing a double entendre about something, like where it be map of Tasmania or something. Mm. You know, if an eight-year-old kid understands what we're talking about, send him to university because he's a genius. <laughs> you know, don't don't complain about your sensibility. So, but we get away with a lot. You know, Kyle listens to our show between five thirty and six, and I've usually do a little cheerio, and he goes, "Mate, you bloody guys get away with everything. You know, <laughs> I can't say anything. You guys get away with everything." You know? <laughs> so. And, that, and that's the thing, because we're not on the, you know, Roz Rains and whoever writes about Kyle, they all love Kyle, you know, but they, they, they and I think in a way as well with WS, uh, we're considered as, I don't know, just, I don't think people know how good the show is. I think when they, and I'm not, you know, big noting it, but I think when people get to it, they go, geez, man, I, I didn't realise there were so many layers to, to the show. Yeah. Um, 
And that's what I like about it. And when you guys went number one, I was just bursting with joy for you. Well, we haven't got like we haven't gone number like we haven't got number one breakfast show. We haven't taken like the so I was happy to jump on the station going number one, which was good because everyone just thought presumed that we'd gone number one. And uh, the stupid radio ratings are out tomorrow. Um, so right now the battle is you know Kyle and Jack are nine point five or nine point eight, and we're nine point two. So we're like it's so close, but I'm not. I've been let down before, so tomorrow we could either be, like, boozing up at, you know, 10 in the morning or we could quite easily just be going, well... Which works out to 4 in the afternoon because you've been up since 2. That's that's totally fine. Yeah, so it's all... yeah, Totally, totally fine. Uh, One of the things, like, I'm just... Like, if you can, because in the world of podcasts now, you can download Jonesy and Amanda's podcast, and I mm-hmm. highly recommend it, because these guys, they, they have such a remarkable uh, relationship on air. Um, I've got I've to ask, though, because the relationship that you have with someone that you're on air with can either be one of an icy yeah. kind of, we <laughs> yeah. only talk in the studio, yeah. and we only talk when the mics are on. Yeah, we all know that's happened. Yeah. It's certainly happened. There's been cases where the people on air don't like each other so much. One person is in another city yes. down the line and they never speak yeah. um, unless the mics are on and they're live. Yeah. What's the key, do you think, to having such a great relationship with your on-air partner, Amanda? I can't... Because I get the sense that you genuinely like each other. I, I love her. Like, you know, I do. You know, I've said to her, in 30 years' time, we'll be married. You know, that will that will happen, you know, in 30 years' time. You know, if because our, our partners will, you know... That's her on the line right now saying, I won't do that. So, this is wild because they're renting me this apartment and I... Is that the landline yeah. phone? and no one has it. So I'm just wondering whoever calls. I'd be telemarketer. Should have answered it. That no would way. Cool. I, don't, I used to do that, job. Yeah. I'm not going to ever do that again. But she, yeah, I think... Um, and, you know, our partners are, are like each other. Harley and uh, Helen are, are alike. Uh, and, and Amanda and I are sort of... We never let anything go unsaid Nothing gets unsaid. You know, if there's problems, it gets sorted out and that's it. And we have a lot of arguments. Like, we call them BRs, blistering rows, where we've had, you know, but Amanda is like a... Harley once said, Amanda is like a car, naught to 60. It's like she, she's not quick to anger, but quick to go bang, you know. And, and I used to think, oh, I can't say that. She seems so sweet and nice. But she is. She's like a... She is. She's like a... And it's like if you're in a uh, like if you go and slap someone, you go like that. She'll come back and go smash. It's you've got to be prepared for her, and that's what I like about her. She and I, I can almost lead her. I can get her to say stuff. We'll be on air, and I'll know there's a certain amount of steps that I can say, and she'll she'll say you know she'll be the one that says something terrible, but I can lead it to her. So it's not me. <laughs> and then she go, you made me say that, and I love that. It's like controlling a kite. It's just like... Flying. So, for example, if people have that kind of, like, someone that they're working with very closely at work mm. in their job that isn't radio, what would you say to them as the key? Oh. So, it's interesting, because I, I, I can't imagine any other job where you'd have to have the relationship, you know. Mm. I, I guess you, you get on with that person. But I guess it's like... Uh... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
ice skating partners. Like I find that we're like ice skating partners. You know, there's a lot of trust involved and there's, there's that sort of stuff. We have, you know, there's... We've got a thing called Human Skull. I did this... I, I, I dabbled in a bit of stand-up comedy uh, when I was at Triple M because I sort of... There's only so much back announcing of Nickelback you can do and saying how great The Breakfast Show is before you start to think, well, there's got to be more to this. And, and as the technology got more involved, there was less DJing involved. You know, now the systems pretty much run themselves, so it's the stuff that you put in between. So I, I dabbled in some stand-up comedy and I did this routine about finding a skull in, a, in the national park, you know, and I, and I say, oh, you know... Which is not uncommon. It does happen. Yeah, you I, read about it in the news. Hey, we found another body. And yeah, exactly. There was a big bushfire and we... This There's t- a skull. <laughs> it's been there for a little while. So I had this whole bit about, you know, finding a skull and, and it freaked me out and it reminded me of my own mortality. So I, I rang the police and they told me to wait there. And, and while I was waiting, I was still thinking about my, my mortality. And I started asking questions, you know, who was this person? How did they get here? Uh, who, you know, where did they live? Why did they have antlers? You know, and it was that. <laughs> so I did this, and that was like my my go to gag for stand up. So one morning we're on air, and I said, uh, you know, a, a body has been found at Cornell, uh, the birthplace of the nation, by the way, for uh, anyone in the states where Captain Cook came into uh, to Sydney in 1770. And I, I found, uh, uh, so the body's been found, and I said to Amanda, I said, you know, I, I found a skull once, and she goes, human skull. Like, totally wrecks the whole bit, you know. There's, and I said, it was like you're on a game show. And she goes, well, if you said you found a skull, you would instantly answer human skull. I said, no, most people just go, wow, you found a skull. And then you go on the ride to the joke, you know, that it was a deer skull. But Amanda, no, it's like human skull. It's like she was on sale of the century. <laughs> and all I could do was just, no, it was a deer skull, 626. <laughs> and that was the... So whenever we do something, we call it human skull. Don't human skull me, man, because, um, you know, she can... Because she's too sharp for her own good. Right, right. Don't human skull me. And she says to me, don't give me a hospital pass. So I'll say something and a hospital pass, you know, on the football field, you throw the ball and to someone and they get cleaned up by a 98,000 tonne Samoan. So Amanda will always say, don't hospital pass me. So I'll throw to her for something and she'll, you know, she'll look at me and that's a classic hospital pass. So, okay, yeah, so you don't give her a hospital pass and she doesn't human skull don't you. Hum, don't, don't human skull me. That's, that's pretty good. So uh, that's really good advice. And, you know, it's fair to say that's, that's you know, it's good for, for, for anyone that, that's, yeah. uh, that's working. But also, it's easier to beg forgiveness than ask permission. Okay. Yeah, that's mine. That's so, my I like num- it. That I, like I always it. use that one. Um, you are, at the moment, you, there's two things. We're going to wrap up on motorcycles, but right now, you pull up to my house and you ask me, should I leave my dancing shoes yeah. on my bike? Because you're doing Dancing with the Stars at the I moment, which is a franchise. It's in all parts of the world. And uh, you're on it. Yes, What's it like? I'm not a dancing guy. You know, when you go uh, out and people go out and and you'll see a guy dancing, I'm not that guy. Since I stopped drinking, I don't dance anymore. See, that's it. Just don't. And I'll stand there with a beer and and I'll nod my head to a choir boy song or an Akadaka song or or something, but I won't, unless I'm smashed, I I won't dance. So it's, I do like the technical side of it though, and I I am having fun with it, you know, Uh, and my dance partner, Alana, is, is she She's won it twice before. So this, and a lot of people say no one's won three times in a row. Apparently, so there's there's this pressure. Go for the hat trick, which I kind of like. I like the pressure. I like, and so in a way, I like doing it for her as much as myself. Like you know, I I don't know what 
will come. I, I can't see myself going on the dancing circuit after this. But What's your week like when you're doing it? Every day. So every day. I'm, I've been on holidays this week, so every day from 10 till 6, just dancing. You, learning the technique. Are you going there from here? I'm going to go so in my dancing shoes. I'm going to go straight there. Wow. Mm. And you're just getting super fit? Yeah. Well, you hadn't noticed. Uh, yeah, yeah, you I, are, man. I, you I are. feel good. I feel good. And it's and there's a lot of lifting. So you're lifting her up and there's a lot of, you know, uh, V&F, the veg and fruit, I call it, you know, which is or vagin face. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of vag in face. And Did I, your wife know that? Yeah, no, Helen's, Helen's cool with the V&F. She said, I don't care. I don't care. Whatever. Whatever. But I don't understand. What is it with dancing and all this vag in face? I don't understand it. I said, what is it with you guys? Can't you just... You know, you never saw Gene Kelly and uh, Fred Astaire doing that. <laughs> they did the V&F. They didn't know V&F. They just danced together, you know. <laughs> so, Do you know what night of the week you're on yet? Tuesday night. Oh, so we're on Wednesdays. Yeah. We could have fought. We could have fought. Well, there's no fight. There's, there's no, no fight. We're up against the batch. Um, so that's good. So you can watch on Tuesday dancing and then you can tune over and, and, and see The Bachelor and on Wednesday. And you'll be working with my dear friend Dan McPherson, who's yeah. probably the loveliest man. Well, I like Dan. I, I don't really know him. I've met him. He's the greatest guy. Does anyone know Dan? He's but, the greatest but ever. But the thing is, I don't know. He should be dancing and I should be hosting the thing. You know, get the old guy <laughs> with the bad back to crack the gags. It's, it, it's all us. It. it makes no sense. <laughs> I should be that. Have you seen how fit he is? He's he, like you. He's world. No, no, no. He's he's world class, world champion triathlete. He just completed <laughs> the world champs, seventy point three world champs in Las Vegas. He's so fast. He's like. He would be pro if he didn't have to do this f- f- like pesky acting thing. And <laughs> what about he- that bachelor? How good looking is he? He's so, man. Oh I've got God. such a man crush on him. And he can play piano and he can do things with a slow cooker and a leg of lamb. And yeah. He's really so nice So he's going to go and get married and just move to the suburbs and raise children. Good on him. As he should. You for the win, Dancing with the Stars. Who, who are you up against? Uh, up against uh, Cosentino, the magician. The word is the magician is very good. Uh, Libby Trickett, swimming star. Steve Hooker, the pole vaulter. Um, Poe, uh, not Poe, Sophia Poe from um, My Kitchen Rules. She was the evil, uh-huh. you know, the evil uh, Asian chick, but she's not evil. She's very nice, yeah. very nice lady. Um, who else is in there? So Tina Arena. Tina Arena? Tina Arena. Holy shit. I you know. are in trouble. Tony Barber. I'm going to tell you. You're up against Tony Barber? Tony Barber, who has no time for me. He has no, and and I know when someone has no time for me, and, it's, and I'm cool with that. But we we're talking, and he asked the question, and he said, "Oh, this dancing thing, you know, it, it's hard work, isn't it?" I went, "Yeah, I'm finding it." Very, and he walked out. This is the extent of my conversation. Yeah, I'm finding it. And he walked off. He and walks off mid. Uh, it's not like I was talking for a long time. That was the extent. I think it was about three seconds of conversation. Wow. Uh, so you're up against. Now, this is the, here's, let's just run it down one by one. Yeah. Uh, so you're up against an Olympic swimmer? Oh, and right? the twins, those two twins, uh, Jordan and Zach, the um, models, the, uh, oh, I forgot, the Sten- Stenmark twins. So you're up against a, set, a pair of models. Yeah. Uh, you're up against, how many Olympians? Uh, two Olympians. Okay, so really people who are drilled with physical discipline who know yep. how to commit themselves physically. Jacinta, Jacinta Campbell, supermodel. Well, she's a Miss Australia. I wouldn't worry so much about Jacinta Campbell. Really? I would I worry about the Olympians because they have uh, that rigorous discipline. Well, and they're competent. Yeah, and, and they're competitive and they have a relationship true. with their body where they yeah. know, okay, this, and I know how to recover and they know how to eat, they know how to stretch. But I'm going to tell you right now, having lost a dance fight. <laughs> Did you lose a dance fight? I once lost a dance fight 
to Danny Minogue, I can tell you, yeah. if you are ever in a competition with a member of the young talent team, you are in trouble. Yeah, of course. Tina Arena has been drilled like a platoon <laughs> sergeant. She will know. She will. I was in this dance fight. I challenged Danny Minogue. But why would you do that? I was doing breakfast radio. I was, I was filling in for Sandy Lance. And I, was, I said to Danny Minogue, she was on the show with us. It was me and Jackie O and... Um, and Danny Minogue, and I said, I could learn that single ladies dance. I could learn it better than you two. Danny Minogue's like, you're on. That was it. We go to the choreographer. So you actually went to the choreographer? Yeah, we learned it and we put it online. We said, okay, we're going to put it online and you all can vote and tell us who did it better. And Jackie learned it and Danny learned it and I learned it. So we're all in there together. Did you wear the outfits? I totally, I had a ponytail and everything. <laughs> what the high cap thing? Well, if you look in the original video, one of the people in is the video a man. is a man. So I was playing that role. Um, but did you wear the one piece high cap? I, 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 I did wear leggings, yes. Uh, but you didn't, you didn't answer, you're not answering the question. This did video. you wear the high cap? No, I didn't. I didn't, but I did have my, uh, my compression tights on, which is the closest I could get. Compression tights. Uh, yeah, and I also I wore my knee brace because I had a busted knee at the time. So I had this big kind of bionic knee brace thing going on, which is very <laughs> exciting. But Danny Minogue, former member of the Young Talent team, which was a kids' show, uh, Sunday evenings, it was on Network 10, I think, and it was basically kids singing uh, yeah. grown-up songs, and they would learn choreography and they would do covers and it was all very sweet and family. Danny looks vaguely sideways at the choreographer doing it once and then knows it perfectly. Uh-huh. Like, she didn't even look at him directly. She was, yeah. like, maybe texting or something. Yeah. And out of the corner of her eye, she's seeing this guy doing this incredibly complicated single ladies dance. And yeah. he goes, oh, yeah, 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 got it. And then she goes, okay, here we go. Oh, single ladies. I was looking at her like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose. Yeah. So Tina Arena. Oh, great. Well, thanks for the confidence on that. No, I'm just saying. I'm going to have to go Tonya Harding on her or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying you, you've got your... You got to get this hat yeah. trick, my friend. All votes for you. Yeah. Well, but, but, vote for Jonesy. For the pep vote Jonesy. I'm against Tina. No, I'm just Arena. telling you what's, what you're up against. Tina Arena. Like I like Tina Arena. You can you? you can go. She's like Tony Barber. I'm like easy. I can I can see off Tony Barber. I think. But t- Tina Arena. Hit it. If it's you and Tina, and you go down to Tina, then that's okay. That's okay. But you've got it. Your partner. You're going for the hat trick, my friend. Yeah. Don't let her down. You got to look at you. Bring the bring the bring the magic. Bring the magic. You bring can it do on. it. You'll be awesome. Oh, gee, thanks, mate. No, you will. You've be... actually put doubt. So I didn't even think about Tina Arena and that. I didn't even. Th- Why would you say that story? <laughs> now I'm just going to be thinking. Just, I'm just preparing you for what's ahead. Oh, great. Thank you, Yoda. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, one thing that I've always loved about you is you have the balls to do something that I would never do, and that you've always loved motorcycles. Mm. Uh, there's one now. As one goes it's like by. like a tremor in the force. Yeah, that's the little, uh, there's a little cafe race that lives down the street yeah. that, that, that goes by. Um, one of those uh, Duez Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah, Deus Ex Machina, whatever. Yeah. Um, what do I need to know? As someone who's only been on the back of a motorcycle, and I rode one once, a tiny little 50cc mm. thing around a track in, in Noosa. I think I took you on the back of my bike in Brisbane on my Honda. I used to have an old CB900 Honda. I'm sure I gave you a lift on the back of that old silver and white Honda I used to have. I don't know, man. Like to... Um, I'm positive it was because we were, you know, working at the same time, and I was on the silver and white. You remember that big silver and white? Yeah, bike, I do. Eh? I do. The, the Boulder Door. I uh, used to smoke a lot of weed back then. You man. did I smoke a lot of pot. I don't pot. remember. I think a lot. I took you to go and get pot. 
So on the bike, let's <laughs> be right. So as I said before the show, it's incredible how much my career uh, uh, um, skyrocketed once I stopped smoking weed. Yeah, don't smoke dope, kids. It's no, so sad. It's, it's, it'll undo it's terrible. Um, honestly, if you're smoking weed past the age of 24, have a long look at yourself. Yeah, uh, that's true. And if, you're, and if you're having a bong, like I think if, you, yeah, if, if you're having a joint... You know, that's cool. You're you like get a past hip. one. Yeah, if you're past one, that's okay. But if you're having breakfast bongs, uh, you know, uh, in the morning. In your 30s. In your 30s, that's have it. Have a long hard look you at know. yourself. Uh, have a word to your wife. Oh, no, because you won't have one. <laughs> <laughs> your boss might notice. Oh, yeah, hang on. No, you no, won't you have, have one. You don't have a boss. You have nothing. You can't even listen to this because you have nothing. <laughs> um, so as someone that has... N- I'm actually afraid to ride a motorcycle. Oh, really? Why? Because I know myself, maybe less now that I've got a little more pace in my life. Um, but back when I had a little less self-control, I think I was quite afraid of what I would do on a motorcycle mm. and how reckless I would be. What's the best thing about riding a motorcycle? Oh, I think it's, um, it's just everything. Parking is great. Although in Sydney, you just can't seem to park a motorcycle anywhere because it just doesn't make... Uh, Sydney doesn't understand motorcycles like, say, Melbourne does. Um, uh, just through traffic, you know, through traffic, it's you will save so much time, you know, and I'm talking not, you know, five minutes, I'm talking like 15 minutes off every journey, pretty much. With this is going in the middle of the cars. It's splitting lanes, but not even, even if you don't split lanes, you, you still get off the lights quicker and you're also more aware of the traffic, mm. so you actually move through the traffic quicker. Like, I'm a big fan of splitting lane sharing, I like to call it, which is uh, legal slash illegal, uh, but if you do it right and don't hit people's mirrors, you know, some people get upset with you because, you know, the Australian way. It's not the Australian way, mate, you're cutting in, you're, you're pushing through. But, I, like, I like to think, with a motorbike, by the time someone notices that you're there, you're gone. You know, it's almost... And that's the way I ride a motorbike. It's, it's by the time the car driver sees me, I'm gone. And that's it. Um, I do... I've had a lot of accidents. Uh, no, nothing ever serious. What's the scariest moment you've had on a bike? 2005, the big accident I had, I had to give myself a real wake-up call because I was just pushing it. I was just pushing... And, and the breakfast hours were, you know, so I was tired and I just wanted to get home to have my afternoon snooze and I was just pushing my bike. This is the, the one that I rode here today. And It's a giant Harley with yeah. fantastic flames on the oh, gas tank. I love tank. that it's, thing. It's been... It's like, the, it's like uh, Jake and El, uh, Elwood Blues is blues. It, really, it really is. And it's been... Words of uh, Thorsten, the man, the big German ex-tank commander that yeah. runs Sony Music in London. Loud pipes save lives. Exactly. I, and actually, the pipes aren't that loud because I get up early in the morning. But it was, I, I, I just was pushy and I, I ended up having this accident and I was very lucky. You know, there's people I know that have died in less and or lost limbs or broken stuff. Yeah. And I, I thought I'd done my shoulder, but I'd actually, uh, the, the body armour and my bike jacket had turned around so it just looked bad. Oh. But I'd ended up, you know, I was just going too fast and a guy stopped, I thought was going to stop at the light, go through the lights, actually jammed on his brakes and, and subsequently I thought there was going to be another accident and then all of a sudden it was me that was having the accident. So I locked up the front wheel and I slid over the front of the bike and there was a tow truck next to me, which was convenient because that got me and my bike home. Um, but I was sliding down the road on my stomach, sort of like Superman, and I, you know the fuel tanks on those tow trucks, the chrome fuel tanks? Yeah. I could see myself sliding along the road in, the, in this moment. Wow. It was almost like, this is before Instagram, but it was almost like an Instagram moment. I thought, yeah. oh, shit, this is going to hurt. This is, uh, this is going to hurt. And I ended up getting stuck under a Corolla, and they had to lift... I was wearing a full-face helmet, and they had to lift... Under a parked car? Or? No, the car that was in front of me. So I, but the, the bumper was stuck 
So my head was stuck under the thing. So you jammed under the car. Jammed, and it was so unsettling because I couldn't move my uh, head properly. And I thought, I've broken my neck, something's happened. But it was because the visor was stuck under the helmet. And these two guys came and sort of just lifted the car a little bit, you know, just to give a bit of suspension give. And I could get my head out. But it was just, yeah. How it was scary. And it just woke me up. Uh, really, I, I thought, you, if you keep riding the way you do, you're going to kill yourself. So I, I, And I do have moments of, you know, where the red mist takes over. When you're riding along, you just suddenly you just punch it and you, you'll go through something. And you think, man, you just, you know... The red mist? The red mist is when uh, you, the blood comes up and you just go, right, you know, bang, and, and, and you're in a hurry to go somewhere. So, and it's quite exhilarating as well. Because I have like six motorbikes now. Uh, and I've got, a, you know, a few Harleys and a few Jap bikes. But I've got one Jap bike, the Hayabusa, which is the fastest thing in the world. And I've always wanted one. And, but with great power comes great responsibility. So when I ride that thing, I always ride it with that in mind. But the thing just... It, it will do 240Ks in first gear. It's, it's, it's amazingly quick. It's, it must be terrifying to ride. And to ride it, to get on a Hayabusa, uh, it, it's exhilarating. You know, and someone once said to me, you know, you, you, you never feel more alive when you're so close to death. So I think that's the... Um, so you were just described, the red mist yes. that you just described is part of the reason why there's a lot of, had been a lot of trouble in my life. I've had the red mist take over yes. uh, when I wasn't on a motorcycle. <laughs> well, I think the, the thing about the red mist is knowing to control it. So if you yeah, have... Right. So I, you has know, that brought, alternately, when you're off the bike, has that brought control? into your life? I think so. I don't think I've ever been out of control. I'm, I'm a very cautious, believe it or not, cautious person. Um, I did, I, like I got hit by a motorcycle when I was five oh. in a back street in Melbourne and that's, you know, my long-held love affair of them, I think. But I, and, I, and by the time I was 15, I'd been hit by a motorcycle and then hit by three different cars. Uh, one of the last one was a hit and run. So I had like this point when I was a, a youngster up to my 20s, I was just constantly in hospital for something, you know. And, but I was always cautious, my mother says, you know, although she'd probably disagree with that. But I, I, I do, it's like, I don't know, it's an Aries trait. It's just you're a bit reckless. Yeah. But you're a, a cautious... I'm an Aries too, yeah. You know what I mean? There's yeah, a bit yeah. of recklessness. I know it. I know it. So that's the scariest moment you've had on a bike. What's, yep. like, what's the best oh. ride you've ever had? I think there's a... Um, I, I write for a motorcycle magazine called Live to Ride, uh, which is a bikey magazine. It's like the bulletin with breasts and things. And we, we go on this ride and we, we test eight bikes, uh, well, seven bikes, actually, and we call it the Magnificent Seven. So the seven of us that write for the magazine all go and we take the, the latest model Harleys and Triumphs and stuff and then we just, we just go and ride. But there was a point... I, I don't even know where we were. We're in, we're in the middle of uh, nowhere, but it was this windy, freshly laid bitumen road... And I was on this motor Guzzi, which I, I don't really like motor Guzzis. And I was on it, but it was, it was handling so well. And there was a moment, and this happens a few times. Sometimes you're on a bike and you can't feel any wind. And I always wear an open face helmet because I love the feeling of that on my face. Uh, and there's sometimes you can be going 200 Ks and you won't, there's no wind on your face. There's nothing. There's an, it's just you and the bike and that's it. And we're going through this windy road and everything was just in balance. Like, you know, we're all together and, I, like, these guys I work with that live to ride, I love them. You know, we, we, we don't get together much, but when we do, it's always fun. And we're all just riding in unison through these bends and I looked ahead, like I was about third in the pack, and I looked at me in the third position and the guys in the front and the guys in the back and we're all, like, within a wheel 
space of each other. This like right on each other. You know, and there's one point where Westy, this mate of mine, my back tyre is like rubbing his back tyres. We go around this tight bend, you know, we're just giving, you know, just playing around. And I thought, this is great. This is what it's all about. You know, and there's a... The, that's the moments, you know. And, you, and there was a... I rode once to Mwoolumba on, on this bike and, you know, it's got big ape hangers and I'm cruising along... Through they're, they're, they're ape hangers, are, uh, handlebars, yeah. where uh, your fists are higher than your shoulders? Yes, yeah. So they're like... They're 17-inch ape, so they're pretty big. And I was riding through the uh, cane fields just out of Mwoolumba and it was the same thing. There's no wind around, 120 k's. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. And it's just the bike is running and everything is right in the world. And you're not thinking about anything other than what's happening. I think that's what, that's what it's about. Is that because if you do think about anything that's what's happening, you're, if you get distracted for a second, it's trouble? Yeah, no, not really. I think, like, with a motorbike, you're always thinking about what's happening, you know, where you're going to go next. It's almost like you, 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 there's a choreography, to use a dancing metaphor, that goes, goes with a bike. Um, but you do think about it. You have an internal iPod. You'll have songs that run through your head or, and, or you'll think about conversations you've had with people. You think about stuff you say on your radio show. You think about people you've worked with, you know. Is like, that your meditation? Yeah, it is. It, actually, it is a meditation. I think it is. I think, uh, you know, Zen and the art of uh, motorcycle mechanics, that's, that's what it is. The motorcycle is a very spiritual thing. I don't think a lot of people realise that. I think there's a – it was – before cars, it was – uh, motorcycles were invented before cars. You know, Gottlieb Daimler made this thing back in 1850 and it was a motorcycle – uh, and, and they're always there. They've been demonised a bit throughout the years, uh, but I think they're, they're becoming more mainstream now. You know, more people are riding motorbikes. So, you know, my dad rides one, you know, and he's got this... It's terrible. It's like a Volvo on two wheels, but it's a... <laughs> It's an FJR 1300 thing where it's an automatic... It's like a clutchless auto. <laughs> so what do you want people who've never ridden a motorcycle, people who drive, what do you want them to know about motorcyclists? I don't think there's anything they need to know. You know, I'm not... I, I used to... Well, how can they make the road safer for you? Oh, look, you know, don't run into us. That's, that's okay, like, fair enough. That's a key thing. Uh, but I... Look, I, I think... Th- you have to be responsible. Like, whenever I get on my bike, I always think someone's going to try and kill me. And they're not going to do it out of purpose or anything. They're just not going to see you. So you make yourself visible. I, I used to road rage a bit. You'd kick mirrors and stuff like this when I was younger. But now, you know, there's no use yelling at some poor lady in a Lexus with the three kids because one of the kids has spilt milk all through the back and she hasn't seen you. It's just if you can anticipate that. And, and you do. On a motorbike, you're so aware of what other people are going to do because you've got a great position. You can see where they are in the traffic. So you say, well, this is what, you know, I, I can see what this lady's doing. And with the advent of mobile phones and stuff now in cars, what's happening now, everyone's just driving slower. So everyone just drives really slow. So they can text and drive. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And people <laughs> are distracted by their stuff. So it's almost like a chess game. It's actually more like Frogger on a motorbike. You just did it, did it, did it, and you skip through stuff. And because you're not distracted, I drove a car, like I don't drive a car often, but I drove one the other day and it's amazing how much you get distracted. I mean, my wife's car, she's got this BMW thing and it's like got so much junk on it, you know, it's got nav- navigation thing and then it's got this like, oh, and all this fruit that you adjust while you're driving. And then I'm sitting at the light, someone toots me and like, I, you know, I'm holding up the traffic because I'm mucking around with this dopey car. You know, on a bike, you don't do that. The lights change, you're gone, you know, and that's what's, that's what's good. Right. Except when it rains and you've got a leaky crutch on your wet weather pants. That's about it. <laughs> That's about the only time I start to think about the whole motorcycle thing. But even a bike in the rain is good. Um, I can't 
I, I should probably let you go because you've been here for a while. But I can't thank you enough for this, Jonathan. No, that's all right. Mate. Osha, this is great. That you've chosen to share this story with me and just like, just that, you know, you give me hope. You, I remember when you, when watching you climb in the ratings on, in the breakfast slot in Sydney, which is enormously competitive. And with the kind of radio that you're doing and the kind of man that you are, it just really gave me hope, oh, man. That's, what, do you, what do you mean you're doing well? You're hosting a TV show. Oh, it's great. That's, it's hardly like you're living on the bones of your ass. I was, mate. I yeah, was, you're not now. Eight weeks ago, I was unemployed. Oh, really? Yeah. And they called me and said, you want to do The Bachelor? I said, yeah, all right. That's great. Seriously. No, yeah. you kidding. Really? I was paying rain out of my savings. Oh, but now I'm doing this. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> And these salubrious surrounds. Yeah, it's pretty nice. That my place nice. in Venice is not like this at no, all. You no. actually, when I do podcasts in my house in Venice, people are like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah, sorry." <laughs> is it? And is it pretty? It's pretty down down market, or is it? Uh it's an old building. What's the address? People can come around and see you. Uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> but it's it's really close to the it's really close to the sand, which is nice. Well, so you need to be near the beach. You surf. You go have to, to be near the beach. Otherwise, yeah. I go crazy. Yeah. I've got to be near public space. Well, see, surfing's like that. That's like surfing's like bikes. bikes well, like... the way you describe being on a bike is is how I am when I run. Mm. I get that that empty mind mm. when I run. But the red mist that's the thing that keeps me off a motorcycle. I think, you know, you probably, you should, you should just get a little scooter and just see what you think and just ride one around. That's what you should do. And then you might go, well, this is not too bad. My mum made us all promise that we'd never oh, ride yeah, motorcycles. Yeah, so look at that, so it's your mum. Yeah. Well, my mum, uh, after she finished medical school, medical school did her um, internship or oh, a, yeah. her triage at one of the big, in the triage at one of the big hospitals on the M4 oh, motorway yeah. around side of London. And when we were little kids, she would just remind us daily of the injuries oh, doctors, doctors that she saw. Hate motorcycles, doctors. <laughs> she would just remind us daily of the injuries that she yeah. saw. She says, don't forget kids, I once saw this happen to a man and I once saw this happen yeah. to his girlfriend and da 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 Please don't ever ride motorcycles. Well, that's like, uh, yeah, the doctor mate of mine is always, you know, a, on a donor cycle. <laughs> You're riding a donor cycle. <laughs> and, uh, and temporary Australians. We now temporary doing, Australians? Well, temporary Australians. But we've got a TV show uh, that, that's actually just been picked up by one, and it's called Temporary Australians, and it's just about motorcycling, which I host with uh, Greg Hurst, who's a Christian bikey. Yeah, so it's, you know, it, it's all part of, like, we'll, we'll go and see stuff like, uh, you know, we'll go and, you know, to the, like I went to the Finks Clubhouse and, you know, to see the outlaw. The notorious home. biker gang here in Australia. Finks, yeah, and, you know, and then you'll... Yeah, and you know it's funny. One minute we'll be doing that, and then you'll be you'll be uh, interviewing some coppers, like police motorcyclists, who are an interesting breed amongst motorcyclists. Every motorcyclist tells a story that's a bit different. You know, there's a bit, there, and motorcyclists are a little bit out there. Anyone that rides a motorbike a bit, they're a little bit out there. My big brother did defy my mum, and he, he, he rode a bike for a while. He's he still, still going, or uh, no? I think he. I don't think he did. But he didn't die or anything. No, he so didn't. He's okay. But I also, I also, Mum made us promise it would never get tattoos, and I got a tattoo. But it's very small. Everyone's got a tattoo now, man. Yeah, but this is back in the nineties, man. Back in the nineties when they were cool. No. <laughs> um, before we go, I did ask you to have a bit of a think about what's something that you might want to say to your younger version of yourself, or like a younger person listening to this wondering, you know, what's a bit of a lesson from Jonesy? I think I smell the roses a bit. I think, you know, just, you know, bask in stuff. You know, don't keep thinking about what's coming next. Think about what you've got now. I think that's the thing. 
I thought about that. I still do it, though. I still go, what's coming up next? What's happening? You know, I look at the dancing thing. I'm already thinking, what happens after the dancing? When the dancing finishes, what am I going to do? You know, I've got a radio show, uh, moderately successful radio show, which I love very much. And you do the points of a percentage point behind well, well, the number know, one. I, I always talk it down. But, but I, I think that's the thing. You know, so bask in what we've got. Like, so today I'm basking because right now we're 9.2 and we're, we're very close to Kyle and Jackie. Tomorrow we could be back to a seven and getting beaten by Fitzy and Whipper. And I've just got to deal with that. And, and so bask now, be happy about what you have. And I, I've got a good life. I'm very happy, you know. I've got a lot more motorbikes than I can ride. And that's good, you know. I've got my family, I've got my kids, my wife, you know. And they, I think they like me, so... <laughs> Still there? They're still there. Usually still a sign. Oh, I think they like the wallet. I think they say, oh, well, you know, the old ATM, the dad ATM. Uh, Brendan Jones, um, you can listen to him on the Jonesy Amanda podcast. Yeah, yeah, uh, wsfm.com.au. Which is where he is. Are you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Follow us, Jonesy and Amanda, in the morning. Get a tweet with us. Amazing. And, and we're on Facebook. We're on the Facey, Jonesy and Amanda in the morning. And you're all, and this new motorcycle show, when's it start? Temporary Australian. So that's on one on, uh, on, on Channel 10 on Saturday afternoons at 2 p.m. When's it start? It started. Shut up. It's been on for three weeks. What did you tell I haven't, me? I haven't seen any episodes yet, but apparently they're good. Because it's during your nap time. Yeah, well, no, no, I just like a Saturday afternoon watching TV. Come on. Um, next I'll be firing up a bong and watching TV. <laughs> in the dark. I'm going to for that. Brennan Jones, I think I might have to record you driving away from here just as an outro. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to come down and listen to your... We'll, we'll, we'll go out of this show with the sound of Jonesy kicking Well, you're off ruining the magic. You know, you can edit all this out. Like, oh, this well, I'll come, I'll come out awesome. I'll come out of this and I'll do a bit of a... That was Jonesy. He's great. And there we go. I'll play some nice music. And at the end of that... I'll play you kicking your Harley off. And maybe, you know, start of Wanted Dead or Alive. You know, I just love the start of that movie. Harley, do you ever see Harley Davidson, The Marlboro Man? Oh, just, yes, just YouTube. And when you have time, it's the best start to any bike road movie I've ever seen. You know, he wakes up in the morning. There's a prostitute in the bed. He gets on this old, uh, same sort of bike as mine, FX, an old FXDR, which they don't make anymore. And it's starts it up, and it's like that, and it's Mickey Rourke, and he's just you know full of piss and vinegar, and then he just rides clear across the country. But the bike has no suspension, so I reckon he would have made about 50 k's before he would have gone. Oh my god. My spine. It's collapsed. <laughs> it would have been so uncomfortable. That's why it was so hard to move in the wrestler. Oh, yeah, I know. But that thing, like, that thing's uncomfortable. Like, I rode to here from my house. I'm only 20 k's away. It's like, oh my God. But it looks tough. It does look tough. And you've got to look tough. <laughs> Brandon Jones, thank you. Thank you, Washer. <laughs> there you have it. Brendan Jones, the great Brendan Jones. Follow him on Twitter at Jonesy and Amanda. That is their show's Twitter feed. He's also on Dancing with the Stars in Australia, if you're interested. And if you're overseas, you can download that podcast. Just search for Jonesy and Amanda in the iTunes store while you're there. Subscribe to this podcast, the Osher Ginsberg podcast. Leave a rating. Leave a comment, please. Give me comments. Tell me what I'm doing good. Tell me what I'm not doing good. Tell me that I can't speak English good. <laughs> God. Um, look, anyway, I'm just really grateful you're here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to at Toehider for the music. He always blows me away. And at Saltmarsh did my artwork, which is pretty great. And this, of course, was recorded on the magnificent Rody Procaster microphones, which are pretty lovely. They make me feel like a, like a proper radio guy. It's awesome, finally. I've only been doing it 20 years. <laughs> At Osher Ginsberg on Twitter is where you can find me. And now I bring to you 
what happened about 35 seconds after Jonesy and I stopped talking and we pretty much woke up the entire street here in Bondi Beach. Uh, so we're outside my house now with, with Jonesy. What kind of bike is it? It's a uh, Dynaglide uh, FXTX. Harley-Davidson. Yeah, sorry, Harley-Davidson, yeah, for the uninitiated. It has uh, it. Sons, of Anarchy, Sons of Anarchy, the bike that Jax Teller rides before it got shot up by the Irish, but it's that. Don't spoil it for me. Oh, well, uh, you know. Well, I haven't watched it yet. Okay. And so this is the sound of Jonesy's bike starting up. That's Thanks for coming. No worries, mate. That's pretty tough. Yeah, it's got a nice, see the, hear the cam? It's like ponies. Like that, but It's just got to warm it up a little bit. But you hear that? It's like, but a little galloper. Listen. Is that how you know it's good when it does that gallop sound? It's a gallop. Potato, potato, potato. <laughs> potato, potato. Just a... So that's nice. <laughs> Ride safe, my friend. Mate, I will. Osha, if I can get out of here. I might have to. Can you give me a lift? <laughs> no, I'll be all right. See you later, Jonesy. Take it easy, bro. You too, man. Thanks so much again. Really, thank you so much. It's been great. We'll go after you, sir. I'll let you know when it goes up. Yeah, no worries, man. I'm trying to be of help. So when you have a... When it's got a bigger cam, it's a bit like that. It doesn't usually do this. See ya. See ya, That is the sound of the red mist.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.